The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. I'm Benjamin Dolly, and this is the VPM Daily Newscast. Sentara Norfolk General Hospital administered the first doses of COVID-19 vaccines in Virginia yesterday as the state begins the largest vaccination effort in its history. Governor Ralph Northam stood by as the first vaccines were delivered to health care workers. He thanked them for their sacrifice. This is not easy work. What you all have done, not only exposing yourselves, but exposing your families, it's just truly commendable. Yolanda Dumas, who received the state's first dose of coronavirus vaccine, has worked at the hospital for nearly 20 years. Afterwards, Tim Jennings, chief pharmacy officer for Sentara Health, struck an optimistic tone. We are now one Virginian closer to overcoming the pandemic. Healthcare workers and residents of long-term care facilities will be receiving the first doses of COVID-19 vaccines in Virginia. Two years ago, a Richmond police officer shot and killed a 24-year-old black man who was having a mental health crisis. His name was Marcus David Peters. Yesterday, Virginia's governor signed a bill into law that he says will help prevent incidents like this moving forward. But as Whitney Evans reports, Peters' family isn't so sure the Marcus Alert does enough. Governor Ralph Northam invited Marcus David Peters' sister, Princess Blanding, to speak at the ceremony. She said she was ultimately disappointed in the final bill. Please take a moment to uh, pat yourselves on the back for doing exactly what this racist, corrupt system and broken, may I also add, expected you all to do. Make the Marcus Alert bill a watered down and effective bill that will continue to ensure that having a mental health crisis results in a death sentence. The system sets up a framework for mental health professionals to respond to 911 calls, minimizing the role of law enforcement. One concern of Blandings is that the statewide system will take about five years to set up. Whitney Evans, VPM News. After three years of public engagement, City Council approved Richmond's new master plan earlier this week. As Roberta Roldan reports, the plan will guide the city's growth over the next 20 years. Richmond 300 lays out future land use and other changes that will have to be made to accommodate new residents. Officials estimate that more than 40,000 people could move to the city over the next two decades. Mark Olinger heads the city's planning department. He says Richmond 300 focuses on seven neighborhoods where the new residents could live. They include areas already growing, like Scott's Addition, and where the city could incentivize growth, like Southside Plaza. Things don't happen overnight, and so you got to begin laying the groundwork for people feeling comfortable with thinking about making the investments in either new uses or businesses or residential or whatever. Some advocacy groups have criticized the plan for not adequately addressing affordable housing. City Council is expected to take up any amendments to Richmond 300 starting in January. Roberto Roldan, VPM News. Richmond City Council voted unanimously earlier this week to rename Jefferson Davis Highway Richmond Highway. The name change will only apply to the portion of U.S. Route 1 that's within the city limits. The ordinance was first introduced back in June as Richmond saw near nightly protests against racism and police brutality. City officials estimate it will cost around $40,000 for the new road signs. Earlier this month, legislative leaders announced the building where lawmakers have their offices would be closed to the public during the General Assembly session. 
House Speaker Eileen Fillercorn and Senate Rules Committee Chair Mamie Locke said in a letter that the decision to limit building access to lawmakers and their staff followed the advice of state health officials. Republican Senator Bill DeStef sued those Democratic lawmakers and other Capitol employees, saying the policy limits the public's access to their representatives. Your courts are running. Local and state governments are open. DMVs open. We need to have access to our legislators open as well. A hearing was scheduled this week in Richmond Circuit Court, but was canceled after Attorney General Mark Herring had the case transferred to federal court. Senator Locke said in a statement that leadership is working to make sure the process is both transparent and safe. Richmond has handed out federal coronavirus relief funds to help expand homeless supports like counseling, transitioning people to more stable housing, and hiring more staff. Most of the money has gone to Homeward, the organization in charge of the region's homeless services. But 4th District Councilmember Kristen Larson says she's experienced challenges when trying to get help for her constituents. She says she's had a hard time even reaching the homeless crisis line. If they're unable to get through the hotline, then I'm really concerned that folks are slipping through the cracks. The homeless crisis line is now the only means of accessing shelter when temperatures drop below 40 degrees. VPM called the number every morning for about a week and was sent to voicemail each time. Many police officers across the country were accused of using excessive force on protesters this summer. Some have faced disciplinary action or criminal charges. Two officers in Richmond were recently indicted on charges of assault and battery during protests. And many of those incidents were filmed and shared on social media. Whitney Evans spoke to a researcher who's been tracking those cases. Molly Simon is with the investigative journalism organization ProPublica. The question that we had, which you know, sort of informed and shaped everything, was what's next? Everyone is sharing these videos on social media, and we sort of knew intuitively that's not the same thing as accountability. And so we gathered things with that in mind and then sort of framed our initial questions to the police departments around, you know, can you confirm that this happened in your jurisdiction? And then can you tell us where it stands? So it's not looking at every single incident of police violence during the protests. Yeah, I'm talking to experts for the project. There is not a universal database anywhere of how many complaints departments are getting. Um, There is not that centralized look at this information. How many videos did you guys collect and about how many charges or indictments did you see come from those? Yeah, I think it's 68 videos. Uh, In terms of the current number of charges, I think there's nine right now that that where officers have been disciplined, maybe 10 or 11 when we update next. Um, Definitely in in a minority of cases at the moment. So after following all of these cases and talking to all uh, talking to all of these departments, what were the common threads that you saw? You know, one of the things that we heard a lot of and probably sort of the the thing that caught us the most was as we were asking about um, where things stood initially was just one of the most common answers is it's under investigation. And it's not and and in a lot of places, okay, it's under investigation. Well, how long until we might know what happens with this? And a lot of the time you just can't get an answer to that. Um, there, there are often uh, sort of guardrails on how long something might take. It's maybe depending on the department, but also some states have like a police officer bill of rights that dictates how long something uh, can go for an investigation. So that gives you some sense that, okay, well, within a year, this has to close out or within 180 days, depending on you know where you're looking. But you know we're coming at it from a journalism standpoint. I can imagine you know the person in the public asking that same question. It could be you know, frustrating. You just, you know, closure is really far off and elusive sometimes. Uh, but we saw that sometimes when agencies moved quickly, it puts them in uh, challenging legal situations. So like in Atlanta, there was um, officers that were very quickly fired 
um, related to a taser incident that was on our, our list. And they sued because they said their due process rights hadn't been you know, followed. So there's one Virginia case in this project, and that's the video that was circulated of police officers pepper spraying a group of people who were walking down a sidewalk, and then pepper spraying a man who was yelling at the officers out of his apartment window. What's happened with this case? That one, we were told it was being investigated, and that's about all we've been able to get. And that's not one where uh, we've had the officers identified um, or been able to get additional details. I think that one is is one where we got a little bit more of a blanket response of, you know, everything from the protests is being investigated. So what's next for this project? You know, I, I'd love to say that a lot of more of them have closed out and we've gotten, you know, answers on them, but um, it's going to be a lot more of this remains under investigation for many of them. But we are going to keep following these as long as we can and, and to, to the conclusion if we can, whatever that may be. Well, thank you, Molly. I really appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Have a good one. That's Molly Simon, a research fellow with ProPublica. She's tracking what happens to police after they use force on protesters. You can find this conversation as well as all the stories you've heard at vpm.org news. This has been the VPM Daily Newscast. VPM. There are so many issues playing out in RVA. I mean, pretty much anyone will tell you. There's definitely a lot of poverty. Finding affordable housing. Traffic, public transportation. Climate change and heat islands. Trying to find childcare in Richmond area. I'm Rich Marr, host of a new VPM podcast called RVA's Got Issues. Listen to the podcast starting May 22nd. Do you have issues with RVA? Haven't found out yet. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs)